anybody remember what I talked about last week? Anybody? If you didn't, that just means I didn't do a good job of preaching, so don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> Does anybody remember? What do we talk about? Yes, Julie. Bail me out. It was communion. Yes, it was communion. And we talked about the reason why we do communion. We talked about Easter seasons coming up. And the only reason why it's important that I'm asking you what I talked about last week is because it's going to tie into this week. The next week as well, we're going to be doing, we're doing a three-part series and we're right smack dab in the middle of it. So the first one, you guys can be seated too. Thank you guys. I can't believe you stood even though I didn't tell you to sit. I don't know Sit. My feet hurt. No, but, uh, <laughs> so last week we talked about For Us. That was the name of the title. And it was all about the three questions that I'm going to ask, or I'm, I'm going to give you my answer to why I believe Christ came and died for us on the cross. And I'm going to let you guys again, so be thanking by why you think he died on the cross. Because guess what? My three don't cover them all. There's a, there's, a, there's a thousand. Actually, there's like millions of reasons. Each one of you sitting in here is the reason why he died on the cross. But we're going to... Uh, we're going to continue in it today, and we're going to be talking about unveiled. So the sermons that we're going to be going through is for us, unveiled, new life. So that's what we're going to be talking about throughout all of this, because that is what Easter is really all about. It's more than just him dying on the cross. It's more than just his burial. It's about him raising up and about why he did all of this. So we're going to talk about last week we talked about a little bit and what was the reason that I gave you why I believe is one of the main reasons why Christ died. Anybody? No, I'm really, I'm really begging for it. What? For our sins. For our sins so we could be close to him. Yes, that was the that was the reason I gave you. One of the reasons why Christ died is so that we could be close to him. So we can Yeah, because he wants a relationship with us. Just like in the beginning, in the garden, he had a relationship with us. We messed it all up. So now here we are. So he had to come and die and shed his blood so that we could be close to him again. But there's more to it than that. So today we're going to be talking about unveiled. We're going to be talking about what it means about being unveiled. So there, were, you know, there were five miracles that happened when Christ died. Does anybody know that? Like the minute he died on the cross was five miracles that took place. You guys know that? Nobody, good, good. It's, it's not really that blatant, but there was five miracles. One of them, you know, we know the veil was ripped in half. We know that happened. Now, now I'm testing my own memory here. What are the five miracles they had? The other one was people rose from the dead. Yes, like 5,000 people came out of the graves and went into the town after Christ died. That was another miracle. Another miracle was darkness fell across the, the land. Nan, are you Googling this? Please tell me you are. Man, doggone. I thought you were bailing me out, man. <laughs> there was darkness fell on the land, and there was two more that we'll may never know. But <laughs> there was five miracles that happened when Christ died. But the ones that I, the one that I wanted to look at today was the veil being ripped in half. There was a veil. That's what did the veil separate? I touched on it a little bit last week too. I'm testing all your guys' memory here. Nobody knew this was going to be a pop quiz, but here we are. <laughs> no, but there was a veil that separated the holiest of the holies. So there was a place that only the priest could enter. Nobody was good enough to go in there. And even if the priest went in there and they weren't clean, they were struck dead. 
So that veil was was actually like big, huge veil was actually ripped in half the second Christ died on the cross, and that was to let us know that no longer is Christ no longer approachable. We don't. Yes, yes. Tell okay. me. Just speak it out. Uh, darkness came over all the land. Matthew 27, 25. Uh, the temple veil covering the entrance was ripped. I'm right so far. Yep. <laughs> Earth shook and rocks split. Earthquake. I forgot about that one. That was the one. Graves opened up and all the saints came out after the resurrection. Good. That was the hard to believe one that I was right about. Uh, lives were changed. Yes. Just like again. Yeah. Their testimony was changed. Right. So there we go. Those are the five. All right. So, good. I wasn't lying. It's in the Bible. We know it. But people came back from the dead. That's hard to believe. I mean, 5,000 people came back from the dead. That, that should send a shockwave through the world that something incredible has just happened. But even just as important is the veil being ripped in half. That was a very big sign to the world. For a long time, you couldn't just go and talk to God. You couldn't have that personal relationship with Him. You weren't allowed access to the throne room until Christ gave His life. And once he gave his life, that veil was ripped in half so that now you can have that approach to Christ. So we are going to look at this from a biblical point of view today, and we're going to see what all this means to be unveiled. We are no longer living behind the veil. So let's go first to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 17. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand, where he awaits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. I love that. Like it just makes God look so powerful. Like his enemies are humble. Footstools. <laughs> but that's the king that we serve. But he did this once and for all, so that all of our sins would be washed away. Does that mean that I can only access that blood one time? No. Exactly. No. No. It means that one death was good enough to cover my sins for all of eternity. So, as I'm sinning, I sin, I mess up, I repent, God's blood washes me clean. Now, if I mess up again, I don't, have to, I don't need him to go and sacrifice himself again. That one sacrifice was good enough. I have to make sure my heart's in the right place when I repent. You know, I can't just, I'm not going to abuse God's grace. But that one sacrifice was good for all time. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made whole. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. So, did he do it for the people who are automatically holy? No, he didn't do it for the people who are, alright, now he's dead, now you're holy. But for the people who are in the process of being made holy. Guys, I really hope you guys get that because if we ever think that we just got it, and we're made, we really have lost sight of everything. We are on a journey, we are on a process. We are going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have bad days. It's going to happen. But every time we're going to repent the same way and we're going to be washed clean the same way we were the first time. 
And he says the Holy Spirit testifies to this. So he's talking about your Holy Spirit. The fact that you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fact that you've spoken tongues testifies that you've been washed clean. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. When do the covenants change? When are you older guys? Tell me. When did the covenant change? When you died. We went from the old covenant to the new covenant. So we're no longer under that old covenant that we were under. We're under a new covenant. And this is important because we, this is the reason why He died. was to shift us from this old covenant into the new covenant. And that's a good thing, guys, because the old covenant, there was no mercy. We weren't forgiven for our sins. They were remembered. But He says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people, says the Lord. So this is important. This is the new covenant. This is everything that we follow, everything we believe. And he says, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. What does that mean? Anybody want to elaborate? Where is he going to write it? On the mind. Yep, he's going to write them on your minds. Where is he going to put his law? In the heart. In your hearts. This is his scripture. I love Jeremiah 31, 33. I quote it a lot. I've talked about it a lot. This is Hebrews 11, but he's quoting from Jeremiah 31, 33. I'm about, I'm about to read that next. But this is a very important scripture for us to realize as we're transitioning into this new covenant. That no longer am I going to have to go somewhere to find God's laws. Because the veil's been ripped. So from now on, He's not going to write, write what he wants me to do in a book on a shelf somewhere that I have to go find. From now on, he's going to write his laws directly on your heart. He's going to put it in your mind. And that's not just me saying that. That's the Word of God. For then he says, I will never again remember their sinful and lawless deeds. So this is God's whole plan. I want to, I want, I'm going to die because I want to kick in this new covenant where no longer are you guys not going to be close to me where you just, just deal with the temple and I'm going to stay over here in heaven. But I'm going to rip this veil in half and I'm going to allow you guys access to me and I'm going to directly talk to you and tell you what I want. I'm not going to make some guy come along and judge you, but I'm going to let you talk to me and I'm going to judge you. And that's... God, it's so much easier to be judged by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is still going to love me afterwards. I'm still going to know that He loves me in the process. Sometimes when my brothers or sisters judge me, I don't always feel the love that I feel when it's coming from the Holy Spirit. So He did this for us so He could unveil Himself to us so that we can have this relationship with Him. So let's go look at Jeremiah 31. 31 through 34 real quick. Because that, that's what he was quoting in Hebrews. So he's letting us realize that this is important, this is significant to our new relationship in the new covenant. He says, in the day, not in the day, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Right? Judah. This is your covenant. Look at that. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant 
that I will make with my people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. That's important, guys. We're all unveiled. You guys are not my children. You're God's children. I, I'm not going to be the one that you're held accountable to. You're held accountable to God. Now, I'm going to love on you. I'm going to help you. I'm going I'm to give you direction if I can. Like, I, I want to partner with you guys. We're in this together. We're a body. But, you're God's children. He's going to talk to you in ways that I might not see. He's going to be able to deal with you in ways that are personable. Because that's the whole reason He came and He died for you. He came and He died so that you will have a relationship. And He said, I'll be their God. All of them. From the least to the greatest. So nobody can get away with saying, well, I'm a baby Christian. I'm just a newbie. I'm the least. I don't know what God wants for my life. Because that's not what the Word of God tells us here. The Word of God says you do know what God wants from your life. And if, maybe if you don't feel Him calling you to anything, maybe He doesn't want anything right this second. Maybe He just wants to spend time with you and just get to know you. But He's going to tell you first. He's going to come to you first. Not, be, not because, because He wants you to know. He loves you. And He desires that relationship personally with you. So let's go to 2 Corinthians real quick. I got to speed up. You guys are pushing me wanting to play kickball. I got, whoo, we're going to burn through it. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with a veil. And they do not understand. So he's talking about people who have not turned to God. They don't understand these things. They don't get this because they've still got this veil covering their face. You're going to meet some people who are claim to be Christians and they're going to try to tell you everything you need to know about your life. But they're not going to understand that you're full of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to understand because they've still got this veil covering their face. They're not going to realize until they turn to Christ and they allow Him to remove this from them. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How many guys are thankful we got freedom in Christ? We should be enjoying our freedom in Christ. I don't need someone else to come along and tell me when I messed up and when I, when I sinned. God will do that. So I can live in the freedom of Christ. When He wants me to do change, or when He wants me to do something, He has no problem knocking on my door. He knows where I live. He don't have to go tell Nan to come tell me that I need to straighten up my act. Nan, has he ever knocked on your door? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even think he rings the doorbell at mine. He just kicks me in. <laughs> Boom! Dan, I'm here. <laughs> but I love that. I want that. God, 
God doesn't have to knock on my door. He doesn't have to ring my doorbell. You're welcome in my house. And it's the same with you guys. He's going he's gonna to come to your heart. He's going to knock on your heart. And you guys can leave it wide open where he can walk in anytime he wants. Or you guys can make it the type of relationship where you push him back and he's got to knock on the doorbell, he's got to ring, he's got to do a little dance in your ring cam before you come and let him in. But God always desired to have that open door relationship with us. And that's why he came and died for that very reason. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. See, I may not be just like Jesus now, but He's still in the process of making me more and more like Him. You may not look exactly like Jesus does now, but He has started the process in your life of making you that way. And part of that is unveiling your mind so He can speak directly to you and tell you what you need to change in your life so you can become more and more like Him. Last scripture. I'll read this fast. 1 John 1, 5-9. through 9. For this is the message we have heard from Jesus. You guys want to know why God's been telling everybody to preach about being light? This is why. Because Him coming and dying on the cross is all about how we can be a light. And He tells us here, this is the message you've heard from Jesus and I declare to you, or now I declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we are living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Man, I didn't read that scripture until after me and Hannah had preached what we had preached. But boy, does that hit home. There is no darkness in Him. If you're not being a light in the lives of the people around you, this scripture says you're not practicing the truth. Because we're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be like Christ. But if you are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. That's what, that's what we did last week. We had fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ cleansed us from our sins. Because we're living in the light. Nobody came in here with a dark attitude, like, I take communion. Like we're all happy, we're all good, we're all living in the light. And that's when His blood is free to cleanse us from our sins. Verse 8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us from all of our wickedness. You want to come play? I'm going to wrap this up. If we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us from all of our sins. Let's all stand up real quick. You guys all believe in Jesus Christ. 
I'm not out teaching on the corner to a bunch of people that I don't know or that I don't know if know God. You guys all have a relationship with Him. He's going to enjoy communicating with you. Man, will you hit the lights for me? We're going to take a couple seconds here while she plays. I want, I want us all, boys, all of us. I know we're about to have some fun. We're going to play kickball. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to make it quick. I promise. Where, where am I at? Oh, we're way ahead of schedule. I've never done this good. But I want to take one second, guys. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. Bow your head, close your eyes. We're going to take one minute. Reflect on your life. What is God telling you today? What is God revealing to only you that He wants to get out of your life? What's stopping you from having that relationship open with God? What's the one thing you feel bad about that you regret? That God won't let you forget? That God won't let you move past? Is it anger issue? Is it lying? Is it stealing? Is it depression? What's the one thing that's stopping you from being the light that God's called you to be in this world? We just read John, and he just told us that if we confess that, he's faithful and just to forgive us every time. All wickedness. We're going to do something a little bit different today, guys. I'm going to pass these out. I want... Dan, you want to come up here and help me with this? Here's one for you. Here's one for them. We're going to pass these out. I want you guys to think. Think about what God's talking to you about. He's not going to tell me. He's not going to tell Nan. Unless you really don't listen. <laughs> and sometimes he does go to a pastor. <laughs> but he's talking to you. And he wants that personal relationship with you. So think about it. It says that if we say we're without sin, we're lying. So no one here can say there's nothing that I can't write down. If you do feel that way, Write down, sell everything I own and give it to the poor. <laughs> That's how Christ handled that situation. Did you pass out pins? Yeah, you guys, you guys can all take a second, run over there, write down at least one thing. You want to fill that paper full of everything. I'm not going to read it, guys. I'm not collecting these. I'm not going to look at them. This is just between you and God.
you guys get done, just walk right around here. Come up here and hand it to me. Again, I'm not going to read it. I choose to carry that around with me. 
I can choose not to let Christ's blood cover that. But that's not what God designed for us. That's not why He came and He died for us. He came and He died for us to be able to approach His cross and hang our sins on what He's done for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But John says that if we confess our sins to Him, then He's faithful and just to forgive us. And just like Christ, all of our sins go up in flames. And in the end, that's what we're left with. Yeah, I'm a dangerous youth pastor. That's right. And that's how Christ deals with our sins, guys. They're gone. I can't read what you guys wrote. I don't remember what's bothering you anymore. Because the Son of the Blood. And that's exactly how Christ wants each and every one of you guys to look at it. When I go to Him and I say, Christ, forgive me for my sins. They're gone. They're not there no more. He's not going to hold it against me. He's not going to remember it next time. He is the sin annihilator. That's what He does. So one more time. We're going to pray one last time and then I'm going to let you guys go play kickball. I know you're all dying too. What's kickball? One second. Let's, let's, let's end this in prayer real quick. And let's, let's believe that this isn't just a representation, but this is how God views it. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Dear Jesus, Lord, thank you, God, for doing what you did 2,000 years ago on Calvary for us, God. For making all of our sins disappear. For allowing us to stand clean before you, God. To approach your throne like it's our fathers who loves us. I hope everybody here feels the refreshing flow of your blood in their life, God. Don't let them carry their sins, God. But let them put them on the cross and let your blood cleanse it, God. Let them remember, God, that you're not keeping track of every time you've forgiven them, Lord. But you're ready every day new, Lord, with fresh mercy and fresh grace, Lord, so that we can come to you every day and have this open relationship with you, God. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, God. Go with us this week, Lord. Let them feel your presence more this week than they've ever felt it before, God. Thank you for this time. We worship you and praise you. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.